Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the gridiron universe of the silver and black. You're tuned into Just Pod, baby. Your go-to destination for all things Raiders. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. This podcast is proudly brought to you by SportsNot.com, the unfiltered sports juggernaut. Whether you're a diehard Raiders fan or just looking to stay in the know about this iconic franchise, you're in the right place. We are the Raiders. We represent the Raider Nation. Now, here's your host, Evan Grote. Welcome back, Raider Nation. This is Just Pod, baby. I am Evan Grote. So happy to have you joining me once again. The podcast is brought to you by SportsNot.com. You can subscribe to the show by clicking that follow button on the platform that you may be listening on. Many of the larger podcasting platforms you can find me, and you can also go to the website dedicated just to the podcast, Just Pod baby.com where you will find all of the past episodes housed in one location for you so so many ways for you to get the show now before we jump into it this week i'd like to wish everyone out there a merry christmas and a happy holidays and and just give you the listeners a big thank you for all of your support uh, over the years especially this past year for listening for following and letting me know when i'm wrong <laughs> which is often uh, and, and I mean that, you know, it, it's all respect. It always is with you, the listeners and, and, and you, the people who interact with me on, on X. Um, I appreciate all of you for, for making me a part of your Raiders news and, and, and chat, uh, each and every week. So, uh, I wanted to make sure that I shout it out, uh, to you guys. Uh, now just a programming note, I will be out of town next week until Friday, so uh, it's very, very unlikely that I will be able to get a show out uh, for you, and I apologize for that, but it has just been an extremely busy time of the year for me. Um, the past month has been really busy. I coach high school basketball. Um, I you know, I had the side part-time job with sportsnot.com. I have my full-time job, the podcast. So, so you know, unfortunately, s- some things have to uh, be prioritized a little higher on the list than others, but um, again, once the holidays are behind us, uh, I, I plan to get back on a, a more regular, consistent schedule with the podcast. And I, I know it's been a little spotty, like I said, the past month, uh, but I'll get that straightened out for you because, you know, I'm very excited about the off season that is about to come. Um, I feel like I say that every year <laughs> with the off season, but this one does feel a little different. Uh, there are some big decisions that need to be made, as you know, and, and and I'll be here to cover it all for you guys. So I hope you join me. Now, as for the plan this week on the show, before some of those big decisions need to be made and before that offseason arrives, there are still football games that need to be played, important games for Antonio Pierce and Champ Kelly and for the team as well. Their playoff hopes still technically alive. A very small pulse remains for Las Vegas, but until they have been officially eliminated, then there is something to play for. And and as you saw last week on Thursday Night Football in that blowout of the uh, Chargers, this football team is still very much motivated to play hard, to play inspired football for their interim head coach, and, and so that's exciting for the fans. And so that is the direction 
that we will go in this week with this show. We will continue that discussion that I've had in the past couple of weeks that many people are having right now on Coach Antonio Pierce and in his case that he is trying to make to stick around as the coach going forward. What still needs to be done in the final three games? Did last week's blowout win over the Chargers move the needle for you at all? And what a win for the Chiefs would mean for his his case going forward as well. So those are some of the things that we will talk about uh, that will be the focus. And let's be honest, again, that is the question. That is the debate. That is what is dominating uh, the, the talk amongst Raiders fans, Raiders social media. All the articles that you are reading right now uh, are about who the next coach will be, the next general manager will be. And again, there are games that need to be played still, but most of us are watching these games with a very close eye on the coach and evaluating the coach based on not only the performance of the team, but the decisions that are being made in-game, management, clock management, those types of games. We're really kind of micromanaging uh, or, or putting the, the coach under a microscope, I should say. Um, and, you know, watching the way the team responds and, and things like that. So anyways, that is the focus here this evening. Before that, though, I do want to get it kicked off with just some headlines from the week. It was uh, kind of an extended week for the Raiders coming off the Thursday night football game. Uh, so not a ton of news. The players weren't in the building until a little bit later, uh, midweek, I should say, this past week. Nesta Jade Silvera, though, he was waived on Wednesday. Not not a huge surprise, though, when you you know consider he was inactive for the last six weeks of the season. If you're reading the tea leaves, this is something that you kind of probably could have foreshadowed uh, happening. He posted that somewhat controversial video on, I believe it was TikTok, uh, or, or some social media platform from the locker room after the win over the Giants. The team was celebrating the victory cigars and whatnot. He was questioning the coaches why they weren't playing him. Not a very good idea there by uh, the young man to trash your boss, but the writing was on the wall for him uh, in the past six weeks. Uh, he was a fringe roster player as it was. He was a rookie, late, late round draft pick, just trying to find his way, trying to trying to get on the field. We heard some good things about him in training camp, but just was never able to really uh, carve out a role for himself to, to, to get him on the field consistently much. And, and, you know, that was on a team like Las Vegas that doesn't really have a strong uh, interior part of the defensive line. Um, so that was that made some headlines this week, and, and for me, I think the the larger story here is is that Coach Antonio Pierce, he may be a players' coach, and these guys love playing for him, but he's also somewhat of a disciplinarian, and and he will hold you accountable for you know your actions off the field, and and not only off the field but your performance on the field as well. Uh, another good example of that is what we saw with Roderick Teamer, who. You know, had some issues off the field with the DUI, I believe it was. Uh, you know, he was waived shortly thereafter, and, and Marcus Peters, who was seemingly having some issues with effort in games, he was also waived. So you do like to see that in your head coach, and I think that's something that he has demonstrated uh, to us all that you can be both. You could be a player's coach. You can support your guys, have their backs. They could have your back. But at the same time, you can be demanding. You you could you could hold these guys accountable and have expectations in place. And when those expectations aren't met, 
that he isn't afraid to to make a move to let you go or to put you on the bench or to do whatever he feels is best for the team. Now, obviously, uh, Nesta Jade and and Peters and, and Roderick Teamer, these weren't like starting caliber type of guys. Well, Peters was at some point right in the season. He was. Um, so it's much easier to pull the plug and to wave guys like that than it is to say like a Josh Jacobs if he was ever to find himself in a, in a similar situation. But nonetheless, the precedent has been set. Uh, the standard has been set and you know you get out of line and, and you may lose your job and, and um, I believe that that kind of accountability is necessary. So I really commend Coach Pierce for kind of creating that standard of, of um, high expectations and that you need to be carrying yourself in a certain way. So I think that's one of the really good things that he's been able to do in, in the short time that he has uh, been the head coach. And, and really, that's kind of a perfect segue for me right into the next topic, which is the main focus of the show this week. And, and that is Coach Antonio Pierce and what will owner Mark Davis decide to do following the season. Right now, he is 3-3 three and three through his first six games as the interim head coach. Has he done enough in your eyes? And 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 if not, if he has not done enough in your eyes, what more does he need to do? Now, I tweeted something out following the Chargers game last week on Thursday Night Football. I believe it was Friday. Actually, I tweeted this out. Um, and I'll be the first one to admit that there are times where I overreact to certain things that happen during a game. Um, after that horrendous performance offensively versus the Vikings when they were shut out and lost three to nothing, you know, I thought the honeymoon was over for Pierce. And, uh, you know, I know there were some people who were still really high on Pierce. I thought that that was a major, uh, negative in, you know, in his case to be the head coach, but then they go out in the following week and they put up 63 points. And then there's other people who are out there saying, give them the job right now. And so I think the point that I'm making here, and I think I think we all can learn a lesson from this, is that regardless of where you stand on Antonio Pierce, both sides tend to overreact. And this is just not a, a case with Antonio Pierce. You can look at several examples where this was the case. Derek Carr was another very good example. I mean, we saw this debate over and over in the overreaction, again, from both sides on his play each week. But I think the lesson that we learn here is it's not fair to overreact to the Vikings loss that we saw, but it's also just as unfair to overreact to the win against the Chargers. I think that we all really need to be a little bit more patient right now with this process. Let it play out. I know Mo Moten has been very um, adamant on that. He, he's, he has said that all along, that you got to let this whole thing play out. There are still three games remaining. Let's see what he can get done in that time. Of course, we're all allowed to have an opinion on what we see from game to game, from play to play. Of course, we're all allowed that. But to to make a decision based on one game or the next uh, probably isn't fair. So we need to let this whole thing play out. He's got nine games to do it. He's got three games left. Now, quickly, before I continue the conversation on Pierce, a couple of quick takeaways from the game against the Chargers. I know we're a few days removed now, over a week removed from that game. Uh, I really, for me, the the main takeaway from that game was the, the young players. How the youngsters, um, their production in the game, their contributions in the game. And I talked about that on my last show that I did 
what I wanted to see in the final five games of the year, and that was development and contributions from the youngsters. And that is exactly what we saw last week on Thursday night. Michael Mayer was involved, Trey Tucker. They combined for three touchdowns, just under 100 yards combined receiving. We saw contributions from Malcolm Kuntz. He had two sacks, and he's really been a such a great story this year, finally getting an opportunity. And I think he's done enough. He's taken a a giant step forward. He has proven that, you know, he can be a weapon, maybe not as an every down player, an every down rusher, but I I definitely think he has uh, proven that he should have a role with this football team going forward. Aiden O'Connell had a really good bounce back game uh, from that Minnesota game, had his best game in his young career. Zimir White finally got an opportunity with Josh Jacobs out of the game. He produced uh, with the with the opportunity that he was given both in the, the run game. He was involved in pass. He saw some things in the pass protection as well. So really good sign from him as well. And then Tyree Wilson, he is also really starting to make some some plays as well. I, I really like the move that they they made with him to to move him inside a little bit. I think that's been um it's really kind of rejuvenated him a bit uh, in a way and he's really starting to to make his presence felt on the field after a really really slow start. Uh, but good, good thing, you know, good signs from from Wilson and then Thayer Munford as well. Shout out to him. He played great in the game going up against Khalil Mack, who we know wrecked the game the last time the Raiders played the Chargers. If they can get Thayer Munford to play that way, the way he did against the Chargers on a more consistent basis, then he would solve a big problem. He would fill a big void uh, that the Raiders have looking at, you know, next year going into next season at right tackle. You've got Colton Miller on the left side there. You pair him up with Mumford on the right side, and now you have bookend tackles there. But, you know, it was great to see the rookies and some of these second-year players making such a big impact because we all know that has been a major problem here with the Raiders. That has been drafting and the number of misses in the draft from the Gruden era even some of the misses with McDaniels. That'll be the first thing that this new regime or whomever it will be making those decisions, they're going to have to get that right in a hurry. And that is the talent evaluation and drafting with this football team. But getting back to Antonio Pierce, what more does he need to do in your opinion? Is he deserving of the job right now or does he need to win the next three games? Maybe it's two out of the next three. You've got the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Broncos in the final three games of the season. All three teams are either currently in the playoffs or in the hunt for the playoffs. What would it take? That's what I want to know. From what I gather, from speaking with other Raider fans, it sounds like a win this week versus the Chiefs is enough for you. That would put them over the top in a lot of your minds. For others... They just need to see the game be competitive. That's all you're looking for is a competitive game into the fourth quarter, maybe a you know one possession type of game where the Raiders have an opportunity, you know, at the end. That's what you're looking for. Now, based on what I just said a moment ago, I'm going to hold off. You know, my judgment. I'm going to hold off until the end of the season. Do I have a way that I'm leaning currently? Of course, and many of you know my stance on that. But I do agree with many of you out there that this game is probably more important than the other two. And it's because of the opponent. The Chiefs are the cream of the crop in the AFC West. 
Andy Reid and Mahomes have owned the division and everyone else has just been chasing them. The first step in getting to the playoffs, as we all know, is to be competitive in the division and win the division. And if you want to make even your biggest skeptics believers, then go out there and pull off an upset against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Now, of course, the Chiefs are not the Chiefs of old. I think that is clear to anyone who's watched them a few times this year, especially as of late. Uh, This team is down this year. They're as down as they've ever been in the Mahomes era. But does that matter to you? You know, should that matter? They may not be as good as they have been in, in, in recent years with Mahomes at quarterback, but they're still the top team in the division. So it should mean something, in my opinion. So to me, this game is, is huge for Antonio Pierce. Mark Davis is tired of losing to the Chiefs, and it's possible that this game and the performance of the team may carry more weight than the games versus the Colts and the Broncos. All right, folks, I'm going to step aside. Coming up after the break, I want to look towards the game with the Chiefs. A Christmas Day game. Will the Raiders give the fans a gift? We will discuss that. Don't go anywhere. Right back at you on JustPodBaby, part of SportsNot.com. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost. And welcome back and Merry Christmas nose. and Happy Holidays to everyone out there listening. And I have to tell you, I'm very thankful this year. I'm not sure if you guys recall, but this at this time last year in western New York where I live, we were gearing up for a blizzard uh, that did come through and, and crushed us for two days, whiteout conditions. You could not leave the house on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It was really, really bad here. People lost their lives. Uh, much different story this year. Forecast is calling for 50 degrees and, and sun, so it will not be a white Christmas for me, but I'm just fine with that, and I do wish all of you safe travels wherever you may be heading out for the holidays. Let's get back into some football now. Did anyone see... The report by Jordan Schultz from from Bleacher Report this week. I retweeted it. Uh, now, this is not necessarily Raiders-related news, but it's something that I think is worth talking about. Schultz reports that the Chargers will have strong interest in Jim Harbaugh per sources. Now, that doesn't necessarily come as any hot take, but it does sort of confirm that they will most likely try to bring him on board if he should decide to leave Michigan, and it does look like Michigan, if you've, been, if you've been following any of the news there, they could be facing more violations now and maybe even a larger suspension next year for Harbaugh. He did serve the three-game suspension this year, um, so that that's not good news for, for Michigan or Harbaugh. There's still a lot there to work through, uh, but the interest, it may not be mutual. We still don't know what Harbaugh plans to do, but I, again, I do think that news is worth mentioning because you know where I stand. I, I still think uh, Harbaugh should be the leader in the clubhouse if he does become available. And um, again, I, I'll make it clear. I've said this many times. I think Mark Davis needs to make a run at Harbaugh. I understand the concerns that some of you have with the control that he, he may want, the money that he will want, but I would be concerned if I was a Raiders fan if he were to end up 
in Los Angeles with the Chargers. You see what Sean Payton has done with the Broncos. He has them playing better after a very rocky start. You've got to deal with Mahomes and Reed. I think Harbaugh could get things turned around um, in in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. And, and I just think the Raiders, that's one of the many reasons why I think the Raiders need to to, to go after him, you know, despite not having that quarterback yet in Las Vegas, I still trust Harbaugh because he has a proven track record in every single place he's ever been. He brought Michigan back to a national contender. He made Stanford relevant. He turned the 49ers program around. He got to a Super Bowl. Has he won the big one yet? No, not in college football and in the NFL. He's never gotten, he's never won the big one, but he's made his teams relevant at every place he's ever been. Uh, and, and so here is the final thing I would say on Harbaugh. If it's not Harbaugh, okay, it, it may not be him. But I do think it has to be an offensive-minded head coach. You, you might be saying no based on the last two head coaches for the Raiders. You look at Gruden, you look at McDaniels, and I, you know, I'm not going to be able to fight you off very well on that one. Two offensive-minded head coaches that did not get it done. But if you look around the league, the teams and the coaches who are having the most success right now are the offensive coaches. In fact, right now, I looked it up. If you go to look at the current playoff standings, the current playoff picture right now, of the 14 teams that are currently in, 12 of them have a head coach who either calls the plays or has a background uh, as an offensive coach. Now, in general, there are more coaches in the league. I don't have, you know, concrete data on this, but a quick look at the rosters. I would say there's more offensive head coaches than there are defenses. Uh, but again, I just think that's kind of the direction that the league has gone into is that you have to have that, you know, that top end offensive mind uh, calling plays, leading your organization. So I wanted to get some of those thoughts out there to you as well. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on that as well. But what I want to do now here in the the last few minutes of the show here is to talk about the Chiefs now. Look ahead to this game, Christmas Day game for the Raiders. They don't play until Monday, so you got an extra day to listen to the podcast and get caught up on the podcast. It's going to be in Kansas City at Arrowhead. We all know it's a very difficult place to play. It's going to be loud, I'm sure. Uh, it looks like Kansas City is is the 10-point favorite right now, and each team is expected to get some key players back. Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City, he's been out. And for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs and Colton Miller are expected back, according to what Coach Pierce had to say on, on Wednesday. Now, Jacobs did not practice on Thursday, neither did Max Crosby, but Colton Miller was back at practice um, some other notes. I believe that I heard Kansas City will clinch the division if they win this game. So there's some added incentive there for them to try to get the West division wrapped up. And then the Raiders, you know, their their in- incentive would be to continue to play inspired football for their head coach. We all know that the, they a lot of this a lot of the guys in the locker room they want Pierce to stick around. So they want to continue to play hard for him to show that he should be the coach. And there's still that glimmer of hope. Uh, for the playoffs as well. So there's there's plenty to play for here for both teams. It's a heated division rival, so it should be a, a, a fun game to watch. I think the big question in this game will be which offense will show up for the Raiders. And, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the defense of the Raiders, we, we know they're going to show up. They're going to play well. They've played well 
the majority of the season, they've played better in the in the, the last half of the season. And I just, again, I can't believe I'm saying that. It's been so long since you could say that about the Raiders' defense. But right now, I trust the defense way more than you trust the offense. Um, I could see the offense hold, holding the Chiefs, or excuse me, the defense holding the Chiefs' offense to, you know, 20, 21 points. That's not out of the realm of possibility. But will Aiden O'Connell, will Bo Hardegree keep the offense rolling from what we saw last week? I don't think they are as bad as what we saw against the Vikings, but I don't think they're as good as what we saw against the Chargers. I think they're somewhere in the middle, and if they can be somewhere in the middle, then I think they're going to give this team a chance to win the game. Again, I just trust the defense to keep the offense, to give them enough opportunities to to, to get the win. Now, speaking of offenses, the Chiefs' offense has struggled really all season, but especially in the last um, five games, they, they've, they're, they've lost three of those last five games, and in that in those five games, they're they're averaging twenty or excuse me twenty two points a game. I also mentioned Josh Jacobs is expected to be back, and that is great news for the Raiders because in the last game he rushed twenty times for one hundred and ten yards and a touchdown. Um, and I feel that they're going to have to get that same kind of effort from him again. Now, again, he did not practice on Thursday, so we'll have to wait and see what what goes down uh, on Friday. Uh, and I assume maybe they'll have a some sort of walkthrough on Saturday with the game being on Monday. So keep an eye on, on his status. But the recipe against the Chiefs has always been to run the football, control the clock, try to keep Mahomes off the field, and then when you get into the red zone, you have to walk away with touchdowns and not field goals. And again, that will be the recipe. Even though this, this Chiefs offense may not be as high scoring as it once was, you got to walk away with touchdowns. Now one of the matchups that will be key in the game I think, will be the Raiders' secondary, which has played well, against Rashi Rice. Now, Rice has really emerged as Mahomes' most reliable target, uh, not named Travis Kelsey, and it really started for Rice back in Week 12 against the Raiders when he had his first 100-yard game of his career. And since that time, since that Week 12 game, Rashi Rice has more targets, yards, and touchdowns than Travis Kelsey. So he has really become the go-to guy for Patrick Mahomes. Um, so that was interesting, I thought. Um, the Chiefs also have that dangerous ability with uh, yards after the catch. They do lead the NFL right now in yak. So tackling will be critical for the Raiders. When they when they get to the man, they have to wrap him up and bring him down, uh, bring them down and cannot allow these receivers to get loose and pick up yards after the catch. So I think that's going to be a critical part of the game as well. The Raiders' defense, much better this year, as, uh, as I've mentioned, 11th against the pass. So it's a strength for them. It's a strength for the Raiders. We'll see how they hold up against Travis Kelsey this week, who always plays well against the Raiders, may not ha- be having the season that we're used to seeing him have, but he can still be very effective. And then Rashi Rice, who has been hot the last uh, four games as well. And then I have one other thought about this game, and that is on the offensive side of the ball for Las Vegas. We saw Bo Hardigree make an effort against the Chargers to get Trey Tucker involved, to make him a part of the game plan I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was about time you get this third-round draft pick involved. I'd like to see him get um, some some more looks again this week. We all know Devontae Adams is going to draw a lot of attention, as always. 
but I would hope that they continue to try to work Tucker in and and not go away from what was working so well for them last week. Now, I know Adams also had a big game. It seemed like everybody had a big game, but at this point in the season, see what you got. I mean, Tucker had a great game last week. He's got that speed that is dangerous. Don't waste it. And and I know there are a lot of a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, but he does have a skill that none of the other receivers have. And 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 that is that speed. You know, that 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 glimpse of what we saw him do last week, that has me more excited. So I want to see more. I want to see much more of of Trey Tucker. I think um he can be a factor in this game. He can be a difference maker in this game when we know so much of the attention is going to be on Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Now, I mentioned uh, Las Vegas' past defense being pretty good. Kansas City's is is better. Uh, they actually rank fifth, giving up only 182 yards through the air. So the health of Josh Jacobs is going to be, again, really, really important this week. And, and really, the Chiefs' defense overall is 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 good this year by the numbers third in scoring 17 and a half points allowed per game and fourth in total yards so that is not what we are accustomed to seeing with these Chiefs teams usually it's Patrick Mahomes and the offense leading the way but this year's team it's the the, the script has been flipped it's the defense that's leading the way for the Chiefs so looking forward to the game uh being on Christmas Day I think is exciting to give us something to do here in the middle of the day when maybe before you get together with family or even during the get together with the families you can have the game on and enjoy that as well anyways guys it is a big game for Antonio Pierce also keep in mind the Raiders are coming off what is sort of a mini bye week right they've had a couple extra days to prepare for the game it didn't go so well uh, off the bye week against Minnesota. I'd like to see them look a little bit more prepared this week. I want to see some of those adjustments uh, from the last time that they played the Chiefs, and, and and we'll see what happens, guys. A win, uh, a close loss, will that move the needle for you in the Antonio Pierce debate? I'm sure we'll be talking about it together um, on X following the game and even in the days to follow. I'll be looking for you guys out there to have that conversation with. If you don't follow me on X, Please do at egroat 5 I'd love to hear your thoughts and everything we discussed this week on the show. DM me, tweet at me, or contact me at justpodbaby.com. All right, Raider fans, it's time for me to jump right now. I have to get some gifts wrapped up. I'm still working on some last-minute things there as well, getting myself all geared up for uh, for Christmas again. I wish you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Until the next time, everyone, I am Evan Grote. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the time with your families and take care.